Okay, if you've been listening to the Destination Marketing Podcast this year, you have heard our sponsor, Bandwango. And the fun thing about these sponsorships with Bandwango is they've provided us new case studies uh, periodically throughout the sponsorship. And boy, did they send over an interesting one for the state of Alabama. So Alabama Tourism Department, in partnership with Bandwango, created the All-in-One Attractions Pass. And it basically allowed customers to spend less money and do more by having one pass that kind of brings in all the different attractions and tours, or at least some of the best ones in Alabama at a very low price. So they weren't locked into any specific attraction or anything like that in advance. And they used Bandwango's DXE Connect platform, and it allowed ticket sales to happen through a third-party distributor such as Viator, Groupon, and Get Your Guide. Um, these attractions passes, the All-in-One Attractions Pass, has generated nearly $150,000 in sales since the launch in 2022, and there's been over 4,200 of these passes distributed. If you're thinking about a pass for your destination, trying to figure out how to monetize all the on-the-ground assets that you have once somebody gets to your destination, Bandwango is the resource. Make sure you check them out at bandwango.com DMP. Yeah, I mean, we're putting, you know, I'm not going to say that the podcast doesn't take a lot of time and resources. It does. And so in order to make it... Uh, to give it the ROI that it needs, there has to be alternate distribution channels. It can't just be set it and forget it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Destination Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Stoker. We've got another great show for you today. I'm really excited. It's actually, we, we brought on a guest that we've had on before for a follow-up episode, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Before we dive in with today's guest, though, I want to remind everybody to follow us on all the different social media channels at Destination underscore pod. If you're on YouTube, just search the Destination Marketing Podcast. And don't forget, if you're listening on Spotify, use the Q&A feature. We've had a lot of fun with that feature, getting questions from the audience. If there's something specific you'd like us to answer here on the show, use the Q&A feature on Spotify, and we'll make sure to answer that question live on air. Other than that, uh, Jamie, we're excited to have you back. We've got Jamie Hart from the Palm Beaches, and we, we had you on a little while ago. Jamie, it's great to have you back. It's great to be back, Adam. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. So one of the things that I wanted to have you back for is you were kind of preparing for a pretty significant personal trip that you were going to go on when we talked last. And I'm dying to hear how that went. Yeah. So um, I spent four weeks in Lisbon, Portugal last fall uh, working remote, and it was amazing. Um, I don't want to do the Lisbon CBB's job for them, but if you're <laughs> considering it, go. Um, it's a beautiful city. It was an amazing, life-changing experience, and I'm really grateful to discover the Palm Beaches um, for the opportunity to do something like that. We have embraced, uh, you know, flexibility and remote work as an employment perk. And um, it's been an amazing opportunity to see this industry through a different lens, um, to go to places and see the tourism industry and their tourism assets through the lens of someone who works in tourism. And I was able to meet with the CVB there. And it was just such a unique experience. 
Awesome. So I, I appreciate your work perspective here, but I'm going to ask you to take your, your professional hat off. What were some of your favorite experiences that you had there? So I was with um, a company that runs programs for digital nomads um, and people who are working remote. So I was with about 30 other people on the program. And that piece of it was just amazing. I mean, you have this built-in community um, kind of at your fingertips and any day that you were thinking, oh, I want to go see this, you'd send a text to the WhatsApp group. Anyone want to do this today? And so you ended up getting to meet and spend time with a lot of people with really diverse backgrounds from all over the the country, certainly, but also the world. We had a few people uh, from Canada, Australia, and and some other international uh, locations. So just getting that perspective, hearing what people do, the kind of jobs people have when they're working remote, uh, the things people are interested in, it was really, really interesting. And um, I don't know that anyone in the group is listening, but... uh, (laughs) They, you know, there, I always say there was not one person that I couldn't have sat down and learned something from over a good meal. And that was a really special experience. So yeah, that was, that was definitely a highlight. Um, I also had the chance to go to the Azores, the island chain off the coast of Portugal. And that was just a magical, magical experience. So what is it about the Azores that, that made it so magical? Well, you know, they call it the Hawaii of Europe is one of the names I've seen floating around on social media, but it just is this very small island chain. And we were on just a single island and I don't, it's really actually hard to describe. It's just sort of a magical place that you're in the, literally on a rock, on a volcanic rock in the middle of the Atlantic ocean. And there's just so much to see. And it's just, it feels so natural and wild and, just uh, really unique, and really special. That's great. So if you were going to, you know, make a recommendation to other people that are considering doing more of a long-term remote work type thing like you did, uh, as opposed to just a quick vacation, would you go through an organization like you went through? Would you grab a couple friends and, and go? Or what's your recommendation for somebody considering that type of a plan? You know, everyone is different, um, but I loved going through an organization and there are a lot of them. Um, What I found, I stayed working on East Coast hours. And what I found was that having other people who were working also on East Coast hours made the whole experience, um, I don't know if easier is the right word, but certainly uh, feel more natural because we did, we worked till 10, 1030 at night. And it made it easy to have people to go out to dinner with afterwards or, you know, have lunch with and then go straight to the office. So I I definitely liked that piece of it. I think also having that built in community when you're somewhere new is really helpful, but that's not to say that there aren't other ways to do it. Um, You know, I think depending on what kind of travel you're looking for. I know a lot of people who are digital nomads are traveling more frequently or going, you know, a week in one place and kind of jumping week after week. And it's easier to stay flexible and solo. And so um, I will say this of digital nomads, though, kind of all around the world is that they're there for community and exploring and meeting people and being a part of the local environment and meeting locals and understanding what the city is like and the culture is like. And so if you are going to do it solo, um, there's certainly lots of other people out there uh, to connect with. Very cool. Were were you tempted at all to make it permanent? (laughs) Um, 
Yes. <laughs> okay. That that sounded like a very complicated yes, Jamie. <laughs> well, you know, the, there's a trending sound on like TikTok or Instagram reels that's like, should I move here? And the caption yeah. is always like, me in any new city. And and I mean, Lisbon is, is an amazing place. And it's become sort of this hot spot because people want to move there because of the lifestyle it offers. And so have so many other places. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I always would consider like, is this somewhere that I'd like to move? But for now, the Palm Beaches is home. Yeah. So we're back home in the Palm Beaches, home. right? <laughs> Vacation's over. Uh, I want to, you know, remind everybody, first of all, what your role is at the Palm Beaches and, and maybe a brief um, history of your time there and the roles that you've had. Sure. Um, so my current role is as the director of integrated marketing. Um, so I work closely with our uh, marketing leadership team and kind of the overall marketing team in supporting organization-wide projects uh, that kind of touch all disciplines of marketing. So I work closely with our sales team, both on the groups and meeting side and on our travel trade side. And then kind of am the liaison to the marketing team to make sure that PR initiatives and digital initiatives and media and kind of all of those marketing functions come together to support uh, what our sales team is, is doing. Um, and then, you know, on a brand side, of course, brand partnerships, brand activations, um, kind of the larger marketing piece as well. Awesome. So a lot. It's a little different than the last time we talked. <laughs> yeah, you've expanded your role from the sounds uh, a of A little it. bit. Yeah, so um, I started with Discover the Palm Beaches uh, a couple years ago doing really that groups and meetings marketing piece, which is um, what we talked about last time, um, and really supporting the groups and meetings side uh, sales team in marketing the destination as a premier place to host meetings and conventions. Sounds like a, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. It is. It's a it's a great side of the industry. Um, it's it's niche, but it is a really fun part of what we do. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things that we talked about before was how unique of a meetings destination the Palm Beaches is, and one of the reasons it's unique is because you guys have such a strong business community in the Palm Beaches that you can actually offer speaker expertise and event, um, you know, personnel that can actually show up at the event and add value to the event, even coaching type situations uh, that maybe other destinations can't offer. So not only do you have a beautiful backdrop, but you also have business assets that other destinations couldn't offer an event. And as you and I were talking, I was like, man, this would be such a, an interesting place for us to have our first uh uh, meetings focused podcast on our network. And after a little bit of conversation, we decided to move forward with it. And I'd love to have you tell us a little bit about that podcast, what the process was like of getting it up and going and, and maybe what it's evolved into today. Sure. Um, so we do have a podcast now it's called between the sessions, which is, um, maybe not so coincidentally, the group's campaign that we are currently running. Um, nice. and, so when we decided to start the podcast after you and I last talked, we really thought we have so much value to provide to meeting planners, not just in terms of the guests that we can bring, but also, like you mentioned, in terms of local industry and local 
business leaders who can kind of tie all of that back to not only here's my expertise, here's a a great lesson about business or meetings or some facet of the industry, but kind of secondary is the connection to the Palm Beaches. Um, We went into this knowing that we did not want this to be a, a primary sales tool. We did not start the podcast with the intention that Uh, listeners would tune in and get a sales pitch about the Palm Beaches every week. That was not the purpose because we know that meeting planners time is valuable. There's so many things that they're dealing with. And we thought we have a A plus sales team here. We have people who have so much knowledge and so many connections in this industry. And let's leverage that and bring in the people who are leading the meetings industry and and leverage their knowledge and and really align our name and our business with the people who are having those really industry-leading cutting-edge conversations um, and bring them in and let's talk about what they're seeing in the industry and provide a lot of value to meeting planners who want to learn something, whether it's you know on their commute to work or at lunchtime and they're looking for just a little bit of you know extra knowledge or inspiration or thought starters. Um, let's put our name out there with those conversations and let's invite those people on the podcast and some of those people are going to come from the Palm Beaches because we do have an amazing business community here and we have people who are having those industry-leading conversations. But it's a little bit of both. It's it's also inviting people from other destinations or other organizations to have those conversations with us that meeting planners may not always get to hear or find easily. I love what you've done there because the thing that that makes it interesting is if you just turned it into every episode is why you need to book your next meeting in the Palm Beaches, well that that's a, a storyline that can kind of wear out over time. You know, you've heard that sales pitch five episodes. I think you're ready to tune out at that point. But you talk about bringing in other leaders from the industry, people that talk about meetings and events in the industry. And I think that's a really smart approach because instead of focusing on what's going to bring the most value to you as a destination, you're focused on what's going to bring the most value to the audience. And I think that's a really important delineation for anybody who's thinking about starting a podcast or another type of owned media content is you have to, if you want to build an audience, you have to provide content that is valuable to the audience and focus on building the audience first, which you, it sounds like you guys are really working on right now. Yeah, exactly. And since you mentioned own media, I mean, that's that's another piece of it for us was this is something that we own the content to. We can repurpose that content. We can build blogs around it that maybe aren't direct transcripts of the episode, but are maybe a a little bit more of a direct sell and talk about, hey, this is what our convention center offers. And here's a quote from one of our podcast episodes or one of our podcast guests that relates directly to why the convention center is a great fit for your group or why you should consider the Palm Beaches or, you know, something like that. So it became all of a sudden, not only a way to get our name out there, but also then secondarily, or maybe I don't know, even further down the list than that, uh, another piece of content that our sales team had to sell to their customers. Um, If they know that their customer is looking for unique food and beverage ideas, they can say, hey, here's a podcast episode that we produce that you can listen to about some of the trends that we're seeing in food and beverage. And that's a sneak peek. That one hasn't hasn't released yet. Oh, I love it. But um, you you heard it here first. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So 
it was, it had all of these benefits. The more we talked about it and the more we looked at it, the more we just felt this feels like something that we can manage. It feels like something that provides us with a lot of own content and kind of forces us to look at our marketing and our content in a completely different way, because now we're not only looking at, Hey, what are we writing about in our next blog? But we're like, what conversations do we need to bring to this audience? What is happening out there that we should be talking about? What is important to meeting planners that we can say, you heard it here first. You had, you heard the conversation with, you know, anyone, an industry leader about this topic that's dominating headlines, but we brought it to you first. So really forcing ourselves to think about how do we continue to stay on the cutting edge of the industry? Yeah. You said several things there that I want to call back to, because there's, there's a lot of really important points in, in what you said. And I think one of the first things that you said that I want to call back to is that you've decided to, to take the podcast and use it as something that you can repurpose in various ways, right? So you're doing multiple blog posts with each episode. Uh, and I thought that was a really, really important piece because when you have a, a content team that is working so hard to create content, a lot of times they'll start with the small piece of content, like a blog post. And the efficiency there is just like, it's so much less efficient to write each individual piece of content on its own as opposed to having what I call a big rock piece of content or a content pillar that you can then slice up in in a variety of ways. It takes the same amount of time, but you can get a larger percentage more content than you could if you were just writing each one individually. So I love hearing that you're doing that. The other thing that you said is that it's causing you to have to look at your marketing from a different perspective because it's not what topic are we going to write the blog about this week? It's what conversations does our audience need to hear and can we be a part of? And I think that's really important from a paradigm shift uh, from the way we look at marketing is not just like, okay, what do we want to put out there this week? But no, what is actually important to our potential customer right now that has nothing to do with a sales pitch? We're just going to provide the value so that we can build the audience first. Exactly. So um, for instance, one of our early episodes, we talked to uh, Sheriff Karamat, who's the uh, president and CEO of PCMA and SEMA. And we had a great conversation with him and we kind of, you know, talked about a lot of things, including industry trends and um, things that meeting planners should be aware of as we look into the future. But we also talked a little bit about AI. And that's something that maybe we don't have to produce a web page on or a landing page on because it's too new or we're not sure what's going to happen with it. But it was a conversation that we know is out there that we know people are having. And so it gives us a way to bring that conversation to the forefront um, in a completely different medium and in a completely different way. Yeah, I think that's great. Another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to call back to is you said that when you've got a specific meeting planner that's looking at bringing a certain type of event or something like that, and you've created content that relates very clearly or ties very clearly to that event, you'll send the episode to kind of prepare them for it. I've got a friend named Rob Wells, who's from Beaufort, South Carolina, and he does this as well as as anybody I've seen. Their PR strategy is really the core of what they do. And so whenever they have a writer that wants to talk about a specific part of their destination or a topic related to their destination, you know, they're now three years into their podcast, maybe three years and some change. 
And so what they're doing is sending the relevant episodes to the travel riders to prepare them for their fam tour when they come into market. And they're seeing such a higher level of engagement when they're doing that type of thing. It's just, it's not just publish and leave it. It's actually use it as an asset in a variety of ways within what you're doing. And it sounds like you guys are taking the same approach. Yeah. I mean, we're putting, you know, I'm not going to say that the podcast doesn't take a lot of time and resources. It does. And so in order to make it, uh, to give it the ROI that it needs, there has to be alternate distribution channels. It can't just be set it and forget it. It has to have more legs than that. Um, and that was really important to talk out also that that was some of those early conversations where it can't just be that we record it and we leave it because otherwise we're not getting enough value out of it. Totally. I, I love that. So how many episodes in are we now, Jamie? Uh, we just recorded our sixth episode yesterday, so I don't awesome. consider myself a professional yet. Uh <laughs> We have a long way to go, um, but it's been it's been fun so far. I mean, that's the other thing is that it is a lot of work getting the guests and putting together the content and doing what makes sense and promoting it and recording it and all all of those pieces. But um, obviously, you know, your team has been so helpful in that, and we're grateful to have uh, you guys as a partner. We have a local host as well, and she's been great, but. You know, it, it is a lot of work, but it is a lot of fun. I mean, we have fun recording the episodes. We've had amazing guests on, and we're thinking about recording our some some live episodes at events coming up over the summer. And um, we're, we've developed some fun swag, and you know, so so there, there's a lot of really fun pieces of it too. In addition to it being a lot of work. Oh, that's really fun. No, I actually think that's why it's great to have you on at this stage in your process is because it's still fresh. Like you're kind of still figuring out a few of the processes and stuff like that, that that you're dealing with. And so I want to ask you a little bit about the process of getting started while it's still fresh on your mind. You said you've got a local host. What went into choosing who the host was going to be and how do you engage with the person that's hosting the show? Yeah. So, um, our local host is someone who actually works, uh, in the tourism agency. She works, uh, for the downtown development authority, uh, or the marketing arm of one of our 39 cities and towns. Uh, but she had a career prior to that in broadcast journalism. And she's someone who we, who we had worked with previously. Um, we produced a few videos with her over the last few years. So we had a relationship with her. Um, so when we started talking about the podcast, she was someone we reached out to, and I think she had hosted a podcast previously. So that was a, a pretty easy decision to have her host it. I am actually co-hosting it now. So, um, you know, having someone from the organization and kind of bringing in her expertise in interviews and and journalism and then having, you know, me there as the the voice of the destination, if you will, has been really fun. And we kind of come at it from different angles, which I think makes for engaging some more engaging and interesting content Um, because we get to places that we probably wouldn't with just one of us. Um, So that that was a great, um, a great find for us and, and really added to the production value of the podcast. Um, working with your team, you know, we, when you and I talked last summer, originally, I was a bit of a skeptic, if you remember about <laughs> podcasts, uh, but I changed my tune. And very soon after our initial conversation, I, I was like, 
this is something we need to do. Like, I really think that there's value here. And um, so it was just a matter of kind of laying out what it would look like. We had to have some content and some strategy for it before we entered into the process. And it took us some time to get there um, to approve it. But we, we went into the process once we, you know, everything was signed and I's were dotted and T's were crossed that um, we knew what we were ready to do. We were ready to take off running. And we, I think we were only about, I don't know, maybe three weeks from starting the process to recording our first episode and launching. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. Once we were ready to go, we picked a day for our podcast release that we knew there would be a lot of attention on the meetings industry. Um, we were having a large event that we could launch it at. Um, and we had a topic that was really relevant to the day. So we actually launched the podcast on Global Meetings Industry Day this year. Um, so we knew that there would be buzz around what we were talking about. And we were lucky enough to yeah. have the co-chairs of the Meetings Mean Business Coalition who host uh, Global Meetings Industry Day as our guests for that first episode. So there was a lot of synergy there that made a yeah. lot of sense. So that was a piece of it too, was knowing where we were going to start and having kind of that plan in place. And then internally, of course, you know, getting everyone on sides. I mean, our sales team was ready to go with announcing it to their customers, our PR team, our digital media team, our content team, kind of everyone had to be on the same page. And what was that process like, kind of selling the idea? Because obviously it started with with you and me chatting. How did you sell the idea to the rest of the organization? And then I'd love to hear also stakeholders. I mean, that's that's the next step when you're selling an idea is it's one thing to get your team on board, but then to get the stakeholders to say, yeah, we support this. I'm curious about that process. Yeah. Um, so we... I think once we started talking about it and really started talking about what the show would be and what the content would be, it was actually fairly easy to get people on board. We're by no means the first meetings podcast out there, sure. but we are the first destination run meetings podcast. And um, I don't know, we have a little bit of a competitive spirit. We like to be first, you know, yeah. so that was definitely a piece of it. Um, again, just, you know, staying on that that kind of cutting edge of what's happening in the industry and what, what can we bring our customers and why should people trust the Palm beaches to host their meeting? And that's a piece of it. And, um, you know, we just were, were almost selling it as if like it was happening. I mean, that was piece of a part of it is we had this idea. We're going to move forward with this podcast. Podcasting is the future and this is what it's going to be about. And it, is going to align with our campaign and it's going to strengthen that integrated message. And there's a lot of repurposed content there. And so there's a lot of ROI on, on what it's going to take to produce it. And um, people have been very supportive of that. That's great. That's really great. Yeah. So I'm not going to pretend it's all sunshine and rainbows. There's obviously yeah. challenges that come along with, with starting a podcast. What, what are some of the challenges you ran into? Um, scheduling guests, <laughs> number one, uh -huh. you know, people are busy. <laughs> um, but having guests agree to be on the podcast has not been the challenge. It's just scheduling. Um, it's also that it is nonstop when you're releasing episodes every two weeks, you are constantly having to schedule and outline and record and edit. And so, uh, catching up to that schedule, especially because we launched in sort of a compressed timeline, was a challenge. 
so that's, that's been one. And just the time, I mean, it's, you know, we didn't hire a new person to do this. And so, uh, just fitting it in and prioritizing the things that mostly I was already doing, um, with the added responsibilities that come along with producing a podcast, um, has been, was, was an early challenge. Um, but other than, I mean, those are the two, the scheduling guest is really the top one that comes to mind, just making sure it works for everybody's schedule. Um, having two hosts and, you know, your team as a production agency, um, just means that we have four to five people's schedules to worry about, not just a host and a guest. So that's been the biggest challenge, but it's, it's been doable every time. Great. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the community and stakeholder response. Um, you know, how's it been received in the destination? Yeah, it's it's been great. Um, I joke that my LinkedIn page is now a podcast promotion site because <laughs> I feel like the only thing I post about anymore is our podcast episodes. Um, but no, it, it's been great. I've heard um, really good things from people. Just yesterday, our co-host was telling me that someone she knows in the industry saw an ad for it and listened to it and was like, it was great. The content was was awesome. So everything I've heard has been um, really positive, which I'm really grateful for, of course. Um, yeah. And, and people are just excited about it. I mean, internally, like it's something that we really own. And when as you say, you're leasing space on websites and in magazines to advertise. This is something that we can really hang our hat on and say, like, we have produced this and we've done it. And it is a huge feat and it's a huge win. And um, yeah, and, and the, the word is getting out there. So, yeah, you've been listening to my show, haven't you, Jamie? I have. <laughs> I have. When we decided we were going to do this, I was like, well, I have to go listen to every podcast that's ever been produced. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was new for us, but it is certainly not new. And so I, I did some research. I love it. Well, do you, I know this is like picking a favorite child. So I understand <laughs> that the question I'm about to ask you is very difficult, but do you have a favorite episode so far? You know, I really don't. Um, they've all been so different. Um, but there, I do have some favorite insights, I would say. There are things that Ooh. have come out of the episodes that I will repeat or go back to or use as I'm talking to people. So um, I'll call back to Sheriff Karamat's episode. We talked about AI and he had a really good quote about sort of why or what the the future of AI looked for, like in workplaces. And I'm not going to reveal it here because we want people to go, go listen, listen to, to it. Go listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. But um, that was a great one. We talked to um, a business strategist who used to work in the meetings industry and now is a strategist for meeting planners. Um, he's based locally here in the Palm Beaches. And we had a really interesting conversation about how you could bring together Taylor Swift and her era's tour and the meetings industry and the lessons you can learn. That was a great conversation. So we've had some, some good moments, um, that like that do stick out, but definitely not a favorite episode. Awesome. Okay. Then what advice would you give other destinations that are kind of thinking through, should we start a podcast? Uh, I don't know, maybe they're a little hesitant. What, you know, I can only tell from my side of the table, but I've never sat on the destination side. And so there's a lot of uh, challenges or uh, gotchas that maybe I'm not aware of. I'd be curious of, of what advice you would give other destinations. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, well, first of all, I think 
it, it's really easy when all you do all day is talk about your destination to get kind of pigeonholed and and only see that as the answer um, when you're promoting it. So on the podcast, you know, especially for me, it's really easy to be like, well, in the Palm Beaches, we do this and on the, in the Palm Beaches, we do that. And, and I do that to an extent. Um, but it's okay, I think, to also benchmark or look at what other destinations are doing and talk about it and say, this was really great. This was um, a win or, you know, having a guest on the podcast who's talking about a great meeting in another destination. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, We talk a lot on the podcast about audiences and finding your audience and talking to your audience. And marketers know this well not every consumer is right for you. And so it's the same with meetings. Not every meeting is right for every destination. And so it's not a bad thing to talk about what other destinations are doing because while there are other similar destinations out there for meetings, you can't get what you get in the Palm Beaches anywhere else. The Palm Beach County Convention Center only exists in the Palm Beaches and our local intellectual capital only exists here. And so it's not a I would say don't shy away from looking at the bigger picture of like there are other destinations out there and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. So so don't get so kind of pigeonholed into the narrative that you're so accustomed to telling that you're you're basically focused on what's best for you as opposed to what's best for the audience, right? Right. Because again, our goal with that with the podcast was not to go out and have a sales pitch every episode. And so if you only talk about what you're doing or you don't allow a guest to talk about another destination or city, then you're not giving the full picture of what is happening in the industry. Yeah. Well, and, and it's just like creating an advertising campaign, right? Like you start with the audience in mind and how are you going to connect with the audience? And the only way to do that is by understanding them well enough and then building content around what's going to be valuable to them. Uh, and it sounds like you guys have been able to do that really effectively in uh, in the Palm Beaches. Yeah, I mean, we're trying. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's our goal every day. Um, you know, and we also have, we started out with this list of like 28 to 30 content ideas for the podcast. And every week we sort of have to go back and refine and say, okay, but what makes sense to talk about next? Because that's the other thing with podcasts is that they're not linear. People are not necessarily listening to them in the order that you produce them. Right. They're they're sort of just listening or maybe they're finding the episode that's interesting to them and then they liked it so much they'll listen to another one. And so that's part of it too is making sure that like we're not producing things in the order we want them to listen to, that each episode stands alone and that when we do only have six out right now, we – are giving enough variety in the content and talking about enough different things that we're attracting a wider audience. You can't have the same conversation six times and have that be the only thing that's out there. Yep. I I think that's smart. It also makes sure that your content is evergreen so that even if you have changes in the marketplace or, or, you know, economic changes, whatever, your podcast uh, episodes are evergreen and, and they'll be entertaining for a long time, not just for this week. If you're spending the whole episode talking about this event that's happening this week, then it's immediately irrelevant as soon as you, as soon as the week goes by. Right. So I I like that approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I don't know if this answer answers this particular question, but it falls somewhere that in, in the conversation we've had, which is the other thing it forces us to do is 
to look at, um, again, that local business community and say, what could we give our audience that they don't know they want? I think that was a Steve Jobs quote, right? Yes. Or something he said about they don't they don't know your essentially your audience doesn't know you need it until you give it to them. And so we had um, a local fashion designer on the podcast yesterday, and she is amazing and inspirational and very authentic. And we had her on talking about how to build a business based in authenticity. And so while it didn't directly relate to meetings, there are lessons to be learned from that. And so it's also, how do we find those unique pieces of content that may inspire someone to think a little differently about the meetings they're planning or kind of how they're running their business? Yeah. I, I love it. It's great stuff, Jamie. Now, I, I we've talked a lot about your podcast. Is there? I know you do more than just run a podcast, even though your LinkedIn page <laughs> has turned into a podcast promotion page. Is there anything else you're working on that that you're excited about right now? Um, well, nothing. I, I mean, yes, <laughs> but nothing um, that I can talk about quite yeah, yet. We're not going to let the cat out of the bag on the <laughs> yeah. show. You know, I always try yeah. to get people to make these big announcements on the show and they, they shy away from it, Jamie. I know. A few weeks <laughs> from now, I would have had a good one, but we're, you know, it'll it'll come. We, we can talk about that another time. Okay. All right. That's a great teaser <laughs> for a follow-up episode, right? Jamie, if people want to learn more about you or the Palm Beaches or, or even ask you a question, maybe about the process of getting going, how can they do that? Yeah. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, Jamie Hart. Um, Jamie has two eyes, J-A-I-M-I-E, or via email, jhart at thepalmbeaches.com. And you can always check out the website, thepalmbeaches.com, or our, of course, our podcast, which is called Between the Sessions. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts, right? Anywhere you listen to podcasts <laughs> and from the Destination Marketing Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I love that that you you spell out your name very clearly because my wife's name is Jamie and it's J A M I E and it always takes me three tries to email you. <laughs> I know, and it's that that first I really throws people off. <laughs> yep, yep. So I just told my wife she spells it wrong is kind of the way that I've approached it here. Yeah, I mean, I've been telling people that their whole my whole life. No, I um actually it's funny. Sometimes I spell my name wrong because it's or like if I don't correct people because I'm so used to it. But um, yeah, I, I spell it out because otherwise people can't find me. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Jamie. I, I'm glad you made it back from your four month. Uh, remote work trip that you went on. And, and it sounds like it was an amazing time. And I also appreciate you sharing your experience here in, in launching the first uh, destination owned meetings podcast in the industry, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, it, it has been really exciting and really fun. And we've learned a lot. So great. Well, thanks, Jamie. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us continue to grow the show and bring you amazing guests like Jamie. Thanks everybody and have a great week. For those of you that have been listening to the show now for a while, you know that not only do I host this show, but I also own an advertising agency called Relic. And it's been an interesting journey over the last several years uh, in, in the process of building this podcast and also helping destinations to build their podcast. Our philosophy on marketing in general for tourism destinations has evolved a lot. 
And one of the things that we've realized, and if you listened to my New Year's resolutions episode this year, you've gotten a little taste of this already, but if you are not nurturing the three different types of media, earned media, which is public relations and getting other people to tell your story, paid media, leveraging paid advertising to generate traffic and ultimately get opportunities for people to visit your destination. And then the third one is owned media. And this is where we've found an interesting opportunity for destination marketers. The industry is doing a pretty good job with earned and paid media. But one of the things that's happening is the cost of paid media is going up and up and up every year. And I look at it as hunting versus farming. You know, if, if your only method of getting food for your family is hunting, it means that you need to, to kill something every day for your family to eat. I look at owned media more like farming, where if you are doing the work in owned media to build really engaging and entertaining content, and you are building a community, an active community over time, I would consider that more like farming, where when the winter comes or when the difficult times come, if you have filled your silos with farming, then you're not going to have to hunt every single day. And so I want to make sure that all of you that are listening are nurturing all three different types of media. And if you want to know more about how to how to farm and build owned media content that's going to be a little bit more long term and a little bit longer lasting than some of the paid media that you're doing, reach out to me, Adam at relicagency.com. I would love to chat with you about your strategy and add owned media and teach you how to add owned media uh, as a valuable part of your overall marketing plan. That's Adam at relicagency.com. I'm excited to chat with you.